Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Giuliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. Wonderful. Thank you for the welcome. And uh, for Pastor John, he called me on Friday and said, you don't forget you're on Sunday. Yes, Pastor John. <laughs> it's all good. I'll be there. Wonderful. <sighs> I feel like we've already been fed with some beautiful thoughts and truths. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you for your presence amongst us here today. We thank you that you have a purpose for this meeting. We thank you that your purposes are already unfolding. We thank you, Lord, that by your spirit you are here to minister to us, minister your grace and your love, your encouragement. You're here this morning to inspire and challenge us. Lord, we offer you our faith this morning and ask that our faith would be strengthened as we open your word together. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. I was thinking about that little um, video that you did uh, that we had of uh, Anzac Day. Uh, I don't forget Anzac Day because it's my wife's birthday. Or is it I don't forget my wife's birthday because it's Anzac Day? <laughs> I think that's probably the truth. And uh, so I've been wanting to do something for years now. My neighbour plays the, um, is it the bugle? Is that? And so um, he's offered a few years now to... Uh, at about five in the morning, stand out the front of our house and play the revelry. And uh, I've always turned it down because I thought it wouldn't be appropriate, but this time I'm going to do it. So uh, I don't know how my wife's going to react. Those of you who know her will just think it's another silly and stupid thing that I do. But even if I only just amuse myself, I'm going to enjoy Wednesday morning uh, at five o'clock in the morning. I want to share a few thoughts with you today taken from my experience of finding my birth mother in England some years ago. And out of that experience, I'd like to share with you four personal revelations. Is that okay? Yeah. So uh, I was born on uh, August the 30th, 1965 in England. Um, if you're looking at the map of England, uh, about the middle and just over to the east coast is a place called Scunthorpe. Um, anybody familiar with Scunthorpe? One, okay. Yeah, it is certainly not one of uh, England's holiday destinations. Nobody holidays in England. In fact, recently it was voted as the least flourishing, that was the word that was used, the least flourishing town in England. And it gave the criteria for that, which I won't bore you with. But nevertheless, uh, Scunthorpe is my birthplace. I was born in the Scunthorpe Maternity Home and after 10 days, my mother handed me over to an adoption agency, which at the time was run by the Church of England. They had a, a ministry, if you will, in which they took unwanted children and found homes for them. And so after 10 days, uh, my mother uh, and I departed and uh, this is the letter and I'd like to read it to you that uh, she wrote to the adoption committee. It says, Dear committee, the three reasons why I want to have the child adopted are as follows. Number one, I have no affection for this child whatsoever. Number two, the child needs both a mother and a father to bring him up. I could not bring him up on my own. 
And the third reason given, of which I have later found out to be basically these points, uh, all three of them, are standard. This is what young girls in the 60s, and there were literally thousands and thousands and thousands of them that had, uh, you know, fell pregnant uh, with an unwanted pregnancy and, and handed them over. Uh, I'm certainly thankful that my mother chose uh, adoption rather than abortion, which is the title of the book that I've just recently written about that experience. I'm not trying to sell it to you because I give it away for free. Uh, But the third reason was I do not wish to bring any more worry to both my parents. And so after 10 days, uh, she handed it over, handed me over. Five weeks later, Uh, the secretary of the adoption committee sent this letter, which I'd like to read to you, to Mr. and Mrs. Hodson. It says, 8th of October, 1965, Dear Mr. and Mrs. Hodson, at their meeting yesterday, the adoption committee decided they had a little boy to offer you whom they felt would fit in with you as a family. We do hope you will be able to consider him. His name at present is Wayne, which I later discovered Wayne means truck driver. (laughs) Jeremy means anointed of God. Not that you can't be an anointed truck driver, I'm sure. And he was born on the 30th of August, 1965, at Scunthorpe Maternity Home. We have received a satisfactory medical report on him. His birth weight was 5 pound 10 ounces. He weighed 8 pound 10 ounces when this examination was done on the 4th of October and he is making good progress. The mother of the baby is aged 20. She has one sister who is married. Her father works in local industry and her mother does part-time domestic work. She is 5 foot in height has mousy coloured hair, brown eyes, is of slim build and very attractive. (laughs) Just saying. She was educated at secondary modern school until she was 15 and has worked as a hairdresser since leaving. Her main interests are in her work. The natural father of the child is aged 23. He is believed to have come from the north of the country and was staying in the vicinity in connection with his work. He has one brother and one sister. He is 5'5 five, five tall, has brown hair, blue eyes, is well built. His education is unknown, uh, as is mine. <laughs> and at present, he is working as an electrician on contract work. He has a pleasing personality and his chief interests are in sport, mainly football. This couple met soon after the mother's engagement to someone else had broken. She is somewhat shocked that she has let things go so far and can feel no interest for this baby. Will you kindly ring us here at the office to let us know how you feel about this child? If you would like to accept him, you will then need to get in touch with the caseworker. Concern, Mrs Gale of 63 King Edward Street, Scunthorpe, telephone number 5492. And she will be able to arrange when you can fetch little Wayne. I like this. He will be fully clothed. (laughs) Thank God for that. How embarrassing would that have been? 
except for a warm shawl and feeding instructions will be given to you. With all best wishes, yours sincerely, the Secretary of the Adoption Committee. I'm what you call an 11-pound pom. You'd be familiar with the 10-pound pom. Anybody familiar with the 10-pound pom? Uh, the English government offered people a one-way ticket to Australia and it was just a 10-pound ticket on a plane. I remember that. It was 1969. I was four years old. And, but I'm an 11-pound pom because not only was my ticket 10-pound, but my parents also gave one pound as a donation to the, uh, <laughs> the Church of England uh, for me. So uh, I cost one pound. I struggled with self-worth for a while when I found that out. <laughs> I'd like to think I'd be more than worth one pound now, but uh, I'm an 11-pound pom. When I was 17 years of age, my parents asked me to leave home. Uh, according to my father, I was treating the home like a hotel. I said to him, it's not a very good hotel. <laughs> that gives you an indication as why they asked me to leave. <laughs> uh, as arrogant as I was at the time, but as I was leaving the home with two bags, I walked past my mum and dad's room and out the front door and I could hear my mother crying. I said to my father, who was escorting me out the house to make sure I left, I said, why is mum crying? I thought she would be happy that I'm leaving. And my father said to me there as we passed those doors, this is the second child that your mother has lost. It was at that stage I learned that my mum and dad adopted me and my sister because they'd had a little girl called Andrea who died six months after she was born. My mother and father were told that they would never be able to have children again. We came to Australia and my mum and dad got miraculously saved and my mother was healed and conceived and had two of her own sons. There is a God and he's a miracle working God. And so with that information that I'd been adopted, I left home. Fifteen years ago, I set off to find my birth mother. I'd had many questions, as many adopted kids do, as to what your genesis is. Where did I come from? What are my beginnings? Not out of bitterness, not because I wanted something, although I must admit that I had those fleeting thoughts that my original or my birth mother uh, uh, may have a mansion there in the north of England somewhere and a castle and I would uh, be in line for a, uh, a little inheritance, which I've heard is quite common. I had none of those thoughts. I simply wanted to find my birth mother and thank her for not aborting me and choosing to adopt me. I was sitting on a ferry with my eldest daughter, Courtney, who just left home three weeks ago, so I'm probably still a little bit emotional about that. And we were sitting on the ferry, and I've got, well, I guess my hair's grey now, but I used to, about 15 years ago, have brown hair and brown eyes, and my wife and all girls, except for Courtney, has blonde hair and blue eyes. And we were sitting on the ferry, and we were travelling from Parramatta to Circular Quay. It's a beautiful ride. And after about 10 minutes, this lady who I'd seen uh, enter the ferry came and sat over to the left and she came over and sat next to us and she said, excuse me, I hope you don't mind me uh, interrupting, but uh, you have a beautiful daughter. I think Courtney was about one or two years of age at the time. And um, no, she would have been about three, I think, three or four. And uh, she said, I've noticed her blonde hair and her blue eyes and I've noticed that you're brown and brown. I said, yes, yes. And she said, she said, I have a son who has brown hair and brown eyes and he has a daughter with blue eyes and blonde hair as well and my son was adopted. 
She said, Have you, are you adopted? And I said, yes, I am. She said, can I encourage you to find your birth mother? I said, sure. And with that, she left and sat back over the other side of the ferry. <laughs> Two weeks later, I was sitting in church as I was this morning as a guest preacher and the lady behind me tapped me on the shoulder and she said, excuse me, I don't know you and you don't know me, but I just feel God saying to me to tell you to go and find your birth mother. Well, I'm not the smartest kid in the classroom, but one and one is two, and I worked out that God is saying something. Isn't it good when God speaks to us? I've since learned to listen to those cessations of the Spirit when God wants to lead us into something new. And so with that, I said to my wife, I think I need to go to England and find my birth mother. I had a meeting somewhere in Parramatta, and to be honest, and I certainly wouldn't advise anybody that's going to look for a parent uh, to do what I did, but I thought all of this red tape, you know, I just don't like all of that sort of stuff, and so I'm just going to go to England myself, and I'm going to find her. And I have to admit, I did sense a very strong leading of the Spirit, and I guess I went to England feeling that something good was going to happen, but uh, that's... But to be honest, you don't really know what is in front of you. Some 35 years have passed. Is she still alive? Will she acknowledge that she had me? Had she married and told maybe children that she has about me? All of these sort of questions. And so I went with a birth certificate, which had an address of where Anne, my birth mother's parents, would have lived. And so I went to 36 Jackson Road, Scunthorpe. And I got out of the car and I went to the front door and I knocked on the front door and to be honest, I don't know what I was going to say, (laughs) but um, no one answered the door and a gentleman that was living next door came out and as you would imagine, he was quite suspicious of me hanging around, loitering perhaps we would say and uh, he said to me, what's going on? And of course, when you open your mouth and the irony for me is that I'm English (laughs) and so when I open my mouth, people say, there's an Aussie here, you know, hello, I'm English actually, I was born here Um, and I said, look, I'm looking for the Johnsons and he said to me, they passed away about 10 years ago and so feeling a little silly because I'd also mentioned to him that I was a friend of the family and... uh, (laughs) And so I went back and I got back in my car and very clearly, as clearly as I'm speaking to you this morning, I felt the Holy Spirit say, don't drive off, get out of the car and go into the shop across the road. There was a little corner store, you know, there's mixed business stores. And so I said to the young guy that I was with, I said, I'm just going to go into the shop. I said, actually, why don't you come with me? He thought we were going to buy something. We went into that shop and there was a lady behind the counter. She would have been about 60 years of age. And I said to her, and of course, opening my mouth, there's an Aussie in the shop. And I said to her, excuse me, I, um, I know that about 10 years ago, uh, the Johnsons uh, passed away, trying to make out that I was, you know, well informed and knew of the Johnsons passing away. I said, but actual fact, I'm looking for their daughter, Anne, a friend of the family. She looked at me with that... Glean, just that look that said, I know who you are. She said, "Um, I know Anne. She said, I used to go to school with Anne. She said, Anne was a hairdresser. I said, yes, that's right. I had that information, so I knew we were talking about the same person. She said, look, I've lost contact with her and then she said a funny thing she said she was a mischievous sort of girl 
I knew what she was referring to. She said, look, I don't know where she is, but I do know her grandma lives around the corner and we deliver groceries to her once a week. And with that, she called her husband from upstairs to come downstairs and together we went around to visit Grandma Johnson. Grandma Johnson's about 90 years of age and she answered the door with a little bit of trepidation and and there was another young guy there. I don't know who he was to this day, but we chatted with old Grandma Johnson for a few minutes and And we said to her, do you know where Anne is? And she said, I don't know where she is, but I do know she lives about 15 minutes away and the street that she lives on has four letters and it's number five. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's certainly more information than I had just 10 minutes ago. With my detective hat on. I said to Nat with me, I said, okay, let's, let's just drive for 15 minutes and see where we end up. We ended up in a little village called Curtin in Lindsay. It was one of those classic English villages. Uh, you've seen them on television in some of those programs, you know. It's not one of those programs, uh, Midsummer Murders, where someone's murdered every week. Uh, you know, you don't want to live in that little town, but um, your number's up uh, at some point. But we went there and I, I, I knew to go to the post office because in a, in a little village of about 500 people, that postman's going to know everybody. And so I said to the guy, look, we're looking for a street with four names and number five, and uh, they're possibly, and he said, look, look, and, you know, of course, there's an Aussie, you know, in the post office, and he says, um, look, there's four streets with four letters on it in Curtin and Lindsay, so there's four number fives, and he gave me a map, and he said, there it is. And so I took that map and I just sort of, you know, any, meeny, miny, moe, put my finger on one, it was Mill Lane. So we went to Mill Lane and we parked just outside number seven. I was getting a little nervous now and, and I said to Nat, it's getting a bit late, maybe we should come back tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, so we did that. And uh, I was staying with Glenn and Sophie Barrett, who pastor Audacious Church in Manchester, some great friends of ours. And um, so I said to them, Let, you know, we'll go back next day. So we went back next day and we parked out the front and I gave Glyn a letter. I just scribbled on a piece of paper, hi, Anne, um, I believe you may be my mother. And then I signed it, Wayne Johnson, you know. She's not going to know Jeremy, is she? So Wayne went, uh, so Wayne, so <laughs> Glyn went to the door, knocked on the door. About 10 minutes later, he came back and he said, no, nah, there's no Anne there. I just knew it was the house. And Sophie, his wife, knew it was the house, but we'd been told it wasn't. So Glenn said to me, look, I've got a private investigator, a friend of mine in our church. We'll give him a ring and and we'll get him to work. And I thought, that sounds like a really good idea. And so we rang this private investigator and I spoke with him. I just gave him a little brief story. He said, sure. He said, look, we'll find it. No worries. He said, "Uh, I'll ring you at 12 o'clock. And so I went back to the church, Hope at Sheffield at that time, and... um, just sat by the phone, basically, for about four hours, just waiting for this phone to ring at 12 o'clock. And sure enough, true to his word, the PI phoned at 12 o'clock. I took that call and he said, you've already met her. You've already seen her. I thought, I haven't seen anybody. It couldn't be that lady back on Jackson Road at the shop. He said, you've met her, she wants to meet you. She acknowledges you. She's married now with two daughters and uh, a husband called Trevor and, and they love to hear from you. So here's a number, give her her ring. I was so nervous, <laughs> shaking. and So I rang and Trevor answered the phone. He said, what do you want? And I said, look, I, I, 
all I want is um, just to let your wife know. Um, I believe my mother. Uh, I just want to thank her for having me and not aborting me. And, and I just want to let her know that, you know, I've got a few daughters. And I live in Sydney, Australia, and life is good. And, and um, he said, okay, he said, yep, yep, um, you know, she's your mum. Do you want to come over for tea this evening at six o'clock? I said, I, I, I'd love to. He said, okay, we'll see you at six. So I put the phone down and we had another six hours to kill there. And I said to Glenn and Sophie, why don't you come? We've got an invitation for tea. So we went that night at six o'clock and I met my birth mother. It was fantastic. Yeah, there was just so much for us to talk about. There was so much for us to engage in. It was a beautiful reunion. I didn't get to meet my two sisters until 11 o'clock. They were sitting in the lounge room in the next in the next room from six to eleven. What's that? Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, five hours. Trevor didn't want to meet me. He'd gone to the pub. I since learned that he also had had a child out of marriage. And interestingly enough, three weeks after I left, he got a phone call from a girl that said, "I think you're my father." <laughs> she was looking for inheritance and has never gone back. And he's never heard from her since. It's quite sad. But I met my two sisters and it was just fantastic. In fact, Kim and Mark came over to Sydney for Christmas this year and we were able to show them around and it was beautiful. It's been around about 15 years now of beautiful friendship and relationship. I got a phone call just last year from my sister. My mother had had a sore back for a couple of years and just passed it off as that. Unfortunately, it was cancer and she was only given a couple of months to live. I jumped on a plane and went back to Scunthorpe and uh, had a day with my mother. It was beautiful. I walked into that uh, hospital. She was sitting up in bed. She had her hair done. Honestly, she looked like I could have said to her, Anne, let's go. <laughs> let's go play football. Or, you know, she just looked so energetic and so bright and so beautiful. And my two sisters and I, we had the day with her. It was a beautiful day. And then we did what I wanted to do, and that was go and watch a game of football that night. And so we went and saw Grimsby Town play, who are just avoiding relegation, I think, this season. They won 1-0 last night, beat the top team. My father played for Grimsby Town under Bill Shankly. I've got photos of me sitting at Wembley watching my dad play as a professional footballer. So I went to see Grimsby. They lost, unfortunately. <laughs> but... Um, when the game finished, we got the call that my birth mother had passed away. It's amazing how strong our spirit can be. I think to this day, she just wanted to see me one more time and, and then she passed away. I had the beautiful opportunity to lead her to Jesus and so I know I'll see her again one day. I know that in a room like this, many of you have got stories Perhaps there are some of you here today that have had children out of wedlock. Maybe you have children that have left home. Maybe you have been an adoptive parent. Um, I don't want to play down or I don't want to not acknowledge that this morning. But I do pray as I share with you four personal revelations that I gained from this experience of meeting and having relationship with my birth mother will be a blessing to you. Amen. The first lesson or the first revelation 
so now there's clocks everywhere here. What do I do, Sandra? There's one that says 10.05 and one that says 11.23. What does that mean? <laughs> do I go till 11? No, it's going backwards. <laughs> I've got 10 minutes. Okay, beautiful. Oh, that's counting down till 10. Okay. And when it gets to 10, what happens? Just the floor opens up or... <laughs> Bye-bye, Jeremy. <laughs> Go be with your birth mother, you know. I don't know. What, what, what's going to happen? Some, something's going to happen. Everything's new here now. It, it's all new. It's young. It's got all this young feel. First revelation is this. Number your days. Number your days. Moses writes in Psalm 90, verse 12. It's a prayer of Moses. He says this, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I learned this lesson. Number your days. Here's what I think. You know, we have a tendency, don't we, in life to exaggerate yesterday, overstate tomorrow, but underestimate today. I've learned that today counts. Number your days that you may gain a heart of wisdom. I've been alive today for 9,920 days. I'm a bit old, aren't I? 9,920 days. And this is what I've learned though, that most of the days that we live are mundane. We get up, we do a thing, we go back to bed, we get up, we do a thing, we go to bed, we get up. Most of the days that I've lived, 9,920 of them, have been mundane days. But here's what I've learned. If that I'm faithful in the mundane, out of the mundane comes the memorable. In fact, without the mundane, you don't have the memorable. There's something about consistency in the mundane of every day. You see, today counts. Who knows what today will bring? It's still early, 10.07. Maybe today is going to end up being a memorable day for you. The question is, have we been faithful in the mundane? Have we been consistent in the mundane out of the mundane comes the memorable and out of the memorable comes wisdom Moses says teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom that word wisdom there in the Hebrew is connected to intimacy with God and it's the revealing of hidden knowledge. I love it how that when we get intimate with God, he wants to reveal hidden knowledge, hidden purposes for us to draw close to him, be intimate with him. Number your days that you may gain a heart of wisdom. Don't underestimate today. Don't live in the past and don't live in the future, but live in the moment. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. The second revelation is this, that there is freedom in forgiveness. I love this. There's freedom in forgiveness. Paul writes in Colossians 3 and verse 13, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one Another, forgive one another. It was two o'clock in the morning 
we didn't even end up having tea with my birth mother and sisters. In fact, we didn't even have a drink. And In fact, I wasn't thirsty or hungry. I was before I went, but then I guess I was just being fed on this wonderful connection and reunion. But it was two in the morning and I said to Anne, I better go home now. We were standing outside her house in front of my car and she said, Jeremy, could you do one thing for me? One thing. I said, name it. She said, would you forgive me? She said, for what I did to you, would you forgive me? Well, I offered her that forgiveness freely. I said, Anne, absolutely. If that's what you want, then I forgive you. And church, I've got to tell you that when I spoke those words, you are forgiven. Her whole countenance changed. Her demeanor changed. Her disposition changed instantly as forgiveness was given and received. It was amazing for me to see just the freedom that there is in forgiveness. I believe something spiritual takes place. I believe something physical takes place when we Give and receive forgiveness. I saw with my eyes the guilt and the shame of her past actions literally lift off of her shoulders. It was a beautiful thing to see. I'm here to tell you today, there is freedom in forgiveness. Most of us here have experienced the forgiveness of God, but to experience the forgiveness when it's needed from one another is just as beautiful and so freeing. Don't live in unforgiveness. Don't live with the shame and the guilt or the stigma of past actions. Don't live with self-reproach. Receive his forgiveness and receive the forgiveness of others within your community. It will release you into new realms of freedom. The third revelation is that I now know. It's not that I didn't know, but now I know. That I was born by design, not default. And so are you. We are born by design, not default. Ephesians 2.10, my wife's favourite scripture says, For we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want to focus just for a moment on that word workmanship. We are... His workmanship. People will tell you you are what you eat. People will tell you you are who you hang around with. People will tell you you are this, that and the other. You are what you believe. You are what you speak. I want to tell you today, I know who I am and I know who you are. We are His workmanship. We are His workmanship and I choose to believe that I was born by design not by default I have a choice I can believe that I was just the result of 10 minutes of passion in the back seat of a car or I can choose to believe that I am his workmanship that Greek word for workmanship is the word formar formar from this word we get two English words the words poem and poetry C.S. Lewis says we are his poem. That word formar carries with it the thought of something made and in its context made by 
God. The idea of Foma is that our new life in Christ is like a poem that expresses form and pattern and beauty. I like that. I'm a poem that God is writing. It expresses itself in form and in image. The Bible tells us that we are made in his image and in his likeness. It expresses pattern. The Bible tells us in Psalm 139 that while we were yet in our mother's womb, we were intrinsically shaped and formed and fashioned by God. And the thought of beauty. He makes all things beautiful. In his time, my mother had that 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 verse of scripture. He makes things all, be- or, 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 he makes all things beautiful in his time on the bathroom window. So I'd look at myself and my face as a fifteen-year-old covered in acne, and and I didn't see beauty. I saw that scripture, which many times I wanted to rip off the window and throw away. But I understand that beauty is so much more than physical appearance. He makes all things beautiful. In his time. Timing's everything. The fourth revelation is this. Favour. Finding my birth mother was all about the favour of God, to be honest. It was about being led by his spirit. It was about experiencing his favour. Favour. I expect God's favour on my life. I hope you do. I expect to run and meet favour each day. The Bible says in Luke 2 and verse 52, Jesus of himself, it says, he grew in wisdom, that is, in an understanding of God's purpose for his life, and he grew in stature as a man, but he also grew in finding favour with God and man. Finding my birth mother was about the favour of God and the favour of that lady in the shop and the favour of grandma and the favour of all these different people, the private investigator, which, by the way, we had a conversation after we found. He also had had several children, many children out of wedlock and wanted to find them and was able to have a beautiful time with him as well. Little did I realise that the day that I found my birth mother in England was Mother's Day. You couldn't plan it. You couldn't orchestrate that. I'm a bit slow on the uptake sometimes. I should have seen all the roses in the shops and (laughs) it just didn't register with me. What a beautiful thing in how that God had orchestrated his favour and I found my birth mother on Mother's Day. Wow. How good is our God. How wonderful is our God. The favour of God, his acceptance and his approval and his pleasure in us is never ending. Never ending. I sensed God's smile on that day that I met my birth mother. I sensed God's smile on you this morning in whatever situation relationally you might find yourself in. Look to God. Allow his spirit to lead you. Look for his favour. You're born by design, not default. There's freedom and forgiveness. And friends, can I encourage you more than anything else? Number your days.
Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.